Welcome to the Kick Bump Kick Pod, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. Hi guys, welcome back to the Kick Bump Kick Pod. I am excited about today's chat, but before I get into it, I'll give you guys a little bit of a Harvey update. So, adorably enough, he's starting to sleep on his side, which is super cute. I just, I think anytime he does anything new, I become really obsessed with it and I just find, I find babies so fascinating. Anyway, I've noticed that he's, yeah, literally lying on his side, falling asleep like an adult human. And I just find it so adorable, but I'm such a hawk when it comes to that. He's baby monitor, he's Cubo baby monitor, that I'm not sure how I'll cope when he rolls over. Everyone says, obviously, it's completely fine for them to sleep on their stomach. Some of them even start doing it a lot earlier than he is. He's almost seven months now. Um, But I feel like once he rolls over, I'm not going to be able to help myself. I'm going to have to run in and like check that he's still breathing or whatever. And I know that's that's a lot, but I feel like surely everyone feels the same way when they first see that their baby's rolled over on their monitor. So I'm kind of looking forward to it because it's like a milestone almost when he's rolling over completely on his own and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I really don't know what that's going to (laughs) do to me because I already sit up at night staring at him in the monitor, watching every little movement, thinking he's like this cute little thing that, yeah, any new movement, I'm like, oh my God, look at at how he's sucking on his hand now. It's different to yesterday. So when he rolls over, yeah, it's going to be a whole, whole thing, but it's fine. I'm fine. I'm ready for it. (laughs) And he is rolling a lot more um, outside of the cot. Like in the day, he's getting a lot stronger. So that's cute. But again, I'm trying to not get too excited about that milestone because I've had friends whose bubs have, you know, hopped over that milestone and they're like, trust me, enjoy the moment where you can kind of put them in one place, go do something for a minute and then come back and they're still there because yeah, once they start rolling and crawling and everything like that, while it's adorable and a very exciting milestone, it is a lot to handle and you suddenly have to baby proof everything. And I feel like I'm going to have to get like a full baby proof pen because I'm just thinking about our house and it's quite an open plan. And I'm like, oh gosh, the kid could go anywhere. (laughs) So that'll be, you know, that's the one thing that I feel like since he was a newborn, I was like, before it's too late, we should baby proof the place. And then now it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, we really should do it, but we still haven't. And I'm sure everyone gets in that, that exact same boat. Um, I've got a recommendation for you guys and it's actually a kick recipe. It's our blueberry and cinnamon porridge. Now, Harvey's at the stage where he's been introduced to solids for the last couple of months now. He's loving eating solids and I love trying new things with him and little combos. And one thing, he really liked rice cereal. So I wanted to try him on oats because one thing that I found is whenever I'm eating, he's really interested in eating or holding whatever I'm eating. Um, And obviously they learn by looking at us. And, you know, I read up on when you're getting your baby to eat or even baby led weaning um, to try and eat around them so that they can continue to kind of work on that motor skill and like see what you do, monkey see, monkey do. So with this blueberry and cinnamon porridge, it's one of my favorite recipes. And um, I usually just sub out the coconut milk for water. um, And, you know, that worked as well with Harvey. I haven't tried him on coconut milk. There's nothing wrong with coconut milk. Um, I just personally doesn't sit well in my stomach. And so when I make a big batch of it, um, which is where my recommendation is going, I make myself a bunch and then I make like a a little amount as in I just take a few spoonfuls out of mine and put it in a little bowl for Harvey and I just mush up the blueberries instead of keeping them whole and it's just it's so delicious and it's just so nice that I can kind of sit there and have my brekkie with him and he can have a nice wholesome filling meal and he really likes it I mean obviously each baby loves 
different food and you know one day they'll like it and the next day they won't I've certainly found that with Harvey but at the moment he's loving it and I'm loving it so I just wanted to put that out there as a recommendation now a kick update that I absolutely have to touch on because it's it's super exciting it's exciting exciting every year we have our black friday offer but it does end at midnight tonight so it is your last chance to sign up and receive 60 percent off your first month and that's just seven dollars eighty um so for you guys you know you might be pregnant you might have just had a baby you might be a mom obviously we have our kick bump pre and postnatal program so that is fantastic for those of you who are listening who are pregnant or um yeah in that postpartum state but also kick in general the workouts are only 20 minutes long it is so perfect for a busy mama and I'm saying that as a busy mama I'm absolutely loving obviously I'm biased but I do genuinely use the app every day and I love that they're only 20 minutes long because they're challenging enough that if you only have 20 minutes and that's all you get done you still feel amazing for it um, and obviously there's also lots of healthy recipes for meal prep and, you know, it, it, it always helps to have that kind of inspiration. I know when I'm tired and uh, I really always want to just go for the quick and generally it can be unhealthy option, um, whatever's accessible, but I am starting to prioritize meal prepping and there's so many healthy, awesome recipes on our app that are great for meal prepping so that I've always got something healthy, accessible for me on those really tired days where I cannot be cooking something, cannot be bothered cooking something fresh. So I just wanted to remind you guys about that offer. It is still available if you're listening to this on the Monday, but it does end at midnight tonight. Now, today's chat, I'm very excited for you guys. It is with the incredible Ash Mason. Now, Ash is a holistic physio and mindset coach. She's actually our women's health physio and educator on the Keep It Cleaner program. She's the physio behind Kick Bump. Now, outside of her titles, I've got to say she is an incredible human being who genuinely loves empowering others to feel confident and is an absolute joy to follow on social media as well as to work with. In this chat, we answer some of your questions around exercising while pregnant, looking after your body post-birth, general women's health physio, and then we also heavily touch on mental health as well, starting with dealing with burnout or feelings of overwhelm. Now, that kick pod episode um, where we spoke to burnout, Laura and I, a lot of you came back you know, really relating to what we went through. So we thought it was it was really important to touch on burnout and feelings of overwhelm with Ash when it comes to, you know, being a mum or being pregnant. I hope you guys enjoy this chat as much as I enjoyed having it. Hello, Ash. Hello. Welcome. It is so nice to have you. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so we have been speaking lately on the Kick Pod. Well, we did a whole episode on it, but about burnout. And I feel like it's something that we need to talk to with the mum community because it's such a busy time of year already. Like forget about being a parent or a mum or being pregnant. It's busy. It's overwhelming. But I think for new and expecting mums as well, it can be quite an anxious time. I mean, I'm feeling that way. I know I'm not alone in that. So I would love to get your tips and tricks on ways to maybe not so much avoid burnout because it's not always that avoidable, but manage it a little better, um, manage that anxiety around it. Um, you know, what What can we do to help us feel a little less overwhelmed in this time? Yeah, so, <laughs> like, I listened to that episode of <laughs> the kick fun episode on burnout and I had to chuckle because you were talking about the day that you missed the appointment with me. Yes. <laughs> you called, you were like, I am so sorry. I was like, do not even stress. And I could hear, like, your voice trembling and then you messaged me after, like, I just, I lost it. I burst in shit. Seriously, like, as soon as I hung up, I was 
was like, oh, I'm the horrible person. hundred <laughs> percent. And like that happens, right, when our nervous systems are so overwhelmed. Mm. And as you said, when you're, if you're pregnant and you're like trying to plan for a baby, which is stressful in mm. itself, or if you're a new mum and you've got so much external pressure, mostly pressure that you put on yourself. Mm. And then, you know, you might be running around after a little one, maybe multiple little ones. Mm. And then add into that, like here in Melbourne, we've come out of lockdown mm. and we've been literally catapulted into the craziest season of the year. So all of that is just a big, <laughs> this a plus <laughs> this equals burnout. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a lot, exactly. So I think there's a couple of things that we can do to help. I'm so super passionate about self-care and I know that sounds a little bit like do some self-care but no it's it really is it's not a luxury it's we have to look after ourselves at the end of the day we're just like plants with emotions so <laughs> that's awesome we like if we're not filling up our own cup mm. what happens is what happened to you on that day that you just like were so overwhelmed and then you just in, end up in this like ball on the floor where you can't stop crying and uh, that's like a hundred little stresses over mm. a you know, maybe a short or a really long period of time that just build up and build up and build up. And self-care is our outlet. That's what kind of lets water flow out of the cup that is currently overfilling. So self-care, that can be the big things like setting boundaries and Mm. saying no to things and just doing the stuff that you feel comfortable doing. It's also keeping your body moving and exercising. I know we're going to be talking a lot about that today, but for so many people, exercise really is a mental health outlet um it's the little things as well like just sitting down pouring your favorite cup of tea having a nice bath I think you said that night yep. you like Josh poured you a bath and like yep. just brought you in a cup of tea and you watched like Disney oh, Netflix he, like, and it was fully <laughs> set up a projector for me it was amazing I know so good a bit but, top. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's all of that yeah. it's just taking some time and knowing that that is not selfish it's something that you need to do and it's important and it's about prioritizing that stuff before you get to the stage of burnout right so you're kind of um doing your best to avoid it and when I spoke to you you then sent me some lovely voice notes which I did not explain well when it came to the kick pod on burnout could you explain to everyone you know when it actually gets to the point of feeling burnt out and you're you're there like you can't do anything to avoid it you're in it what did you say to me? Because I did a terrible way of explaining it um, to help me in that moment of yeah. when you're feeling super overwhelmed and maybe having an emotional breakdown. Yeah, so we can think of it two ways. I think the way I spoke to you about it, and you did describe it really well. Give yourself some credit. It was like a ladder. I was like right? something about a nervous system. I don't know, and a ladder. <laughs> there's, there's a nervous system and a ladder. Yeah, so there's a ladder. So at the top of the ladder is our safety social engagement systems. That's where we're feeling happy and joyful and calm, and we can engage and socialize because we're in a safe happy space, both physically, mentally, emotionally. All of our body systems are working, our immune system's functioning really well, our digestive system's functioning really well. We're sweet, we're happy up there. What then happens is something happens, a trigger happens or lots of trigger happens that push us a little bit further down the ladder into this fight or flight mode. And unfortunately... I mean, just that's kind of modern society. Most of us live in a little bit of fight or flight. And I think some of us, or it's really easy, I know I never identified with being stressed Mm. because I thought stress had to be in a ball on the floor crying. But it's sometimes it's just spinning a lot of plates. Sometimes it's just being a mum. Like if any mum is like, I'm not stressed. No. Like, <laughs> if any like young, like mid, like 20s to 30s says they're not stressed. No, like you are studying or socialising or working full time or like, you know, whatever it might be. We're, we're spinning lots of plates in modern day society. So all of that puts us into this fight or flight mode. We're not designed to be there for a long period of time. When our nervous system then gets overwhelmed because we've been in this like middle tier of the ladder for too long, 
we then get pushed further down the ladder to this shutdown mode. And that's where you were that day where you'd like, you just can't stop crying. You feel, instead of feeling, fight or flight is like that, you know, anxious, on edge, jittery. You might feel angry or, you know, um, agitated. A lot of adrenaline is happening in fight or flight. When you shift down to that shutdown mode, that's really where you're like flat, mm. low, depressed, no mood, low mood, teary. Like you just can't stop crying. You don't know. You don't even know why. You just like feel like anything's going to make you cry. So to get back up the ladder, you can't just be like pick yourself up and mm. jump back up to safety because that doesn't work. You've got to climb sort of through the the agitated phase, the the fight or flight phase. So if you're in that complete burnt out, super flat. Sometimes it is doing something that lifts you up, something that activates you to bring you back up to that fight or flight mode. So I think I said to you and you said it on the kick pod, but mm. scream into a pillow, mm. like throw on some Taylor Swift and yell in the car at that um, or, you know, go back to your old like pop punk days, put on some like Blink-182 and scream that out at the top of your lungs or do a quick hit series. And I'm not talking about like a like 30-minute workout, just run up a, fight, a, flight, a flight of stairs or, you know, jump up and down on the spot, do some squat jumps knees whatever it might be something that gets you feeling activated and when you can feel yourself shift from that teary sad to all of a sudden you feel that adrenaline coming back you're like okay now I feel angry about that thing that I thought I wasn't angry about that's when you don't want to stay there because otherwise you're going to shift back down the ladder again you've got to then do something calming like meditate Mm -hmm. or take yourself for a nice calming walk or have a bath with some Netflix on a projector screen, whatever it might be. So, you know, and then by doing that, that's what's going to shift you back up to the top of the ladder where you can feel safe and happy and calm again. And it makes a lot of sense to me because I feel like the times when I have got to that really low point and I've just tried to go straight to a meditation, sometimes I'm sitting through the meditation and I'm just still just feeling shit (laughs) and it gets to the end of the meditation I'm like yeah cool pat yourself on the back for that but you still I still don't feel right and when I you know kind of listen to your advice and I I think I went into the shower and sung really loudly and and then I just sat in my room for a bit I didn't do anything I didn't listen to a meditation I really just sat there I knew that Harvey was with Josh and I could just have a moment and it did help me kind of climb back and I wasn't at the very top of the ladder I wasn't like super cheerful for the rest of the afternoon but it did help me especially in that moment so, yeah, I thought it was really great advice. Thank you. You are so welcome. <laughs> um, so, obviously, we're here with the kick bump um, segment, which I'm so excited about to even have these kick pod episodes. It's so exciting to get to talk about mum stuff. And we got you on board with kick for our kick bump pre and postnatal program, which is it's been amazing and we can't thank you enough for everything. You're like the greatest addition to our team. It's so nice having you a part of the family and I know the community love you and love the program. People can't see my like huge smile at the moment. Hey, like, I just love being happy. a part of it. I'm very <laughs> stoked to be and it's just like the best opportunity. I've said before that I've been like an OG kick girl for a long time. It's nice. And it's taken me a really long time to stop fangirling and I'm like still kind of fangirling. But, I but it's <laughs> nice because you're so passionate. It's <laughs> Like we couldn't have asked for a better energy from you. So oh, you're, you're just you. awesome. Um, so speaking to the pre and postnatal program, when do you think the best time is to start the 
prenatal program? There's no real right or wrong in pregnancy. The guidelines from the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology, Ranscog, um, they say kind of just keep doing what you were doing before as mm. long as you feel safe and comfortable and you don't have any contraindications to exercise. So you'll know about those if you've seen your GP or your obstetrician. Um, they'll let you know if there's any contraindications or if you shouldn't be exercising or if there's certain exercises you should be avoiding. Generally, we don't say like do anything that's high risk or dangerous mm. or you know balancing mm. and stuff like that there are some things that we say maybe avoid have a rest like yeah. maybe not horse riding is yeah. like the thing that you continue doing. I was so shattered can I tell you <laughs> I really wanted like it was just one of those things I go riding probably not even once a year but it was like something that I used to do every weekend oh my god I thought you were kidding but you were <laughs> no, no, no. seriously I was obsessed with horse riding growing up and then but lately yeah it's probably been like once a year but when I was pregnant I think just because I was told I couldn't do it I wanted to do it even more I was like <laughs> but, but I want to but no I didn't don't worry. <laughs> no exactly so generally there's no right or wrong time to start mm. exercising if you have never exercised before now is not the time to like take up a new mm. crazy form of exercise but if you're someone that has never exercised before something like following something like kick bump where it's guided mm. or going and seeing a physio mm. or an exercise physiologist mm. or even a PT that works mm. in women's health so you have a little bit of guidance to get you feeling more than anything for you to feel confident and, mm. and that you're doing something that's safe and, mm. and good for you. Um, the only other thing to talk about, I suppose, is that first trimester where you might not be up to doing yeah. your regular workouts and that is so okay. Yeah. First trimester, if you're feeling sick or nauseous or tired, I think fatigue is a really big one for a lot of women. Just listen to your body. I know mm. Kick's such a big advocate for that. I am too. Take the time off if you need to, rest where you need to and then when you do go back, when you, that sort of wave of nausea finally <laughs> lifts, um, don't just go straight back into what you were doing before. As with anything, if you had a mm. period of time off for an injury or a really big holiday or whatever it might be, you don't just dive straight back in. Ease back, yeah. Just ease back in and, and take it easy, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it, the, the biggest thing you said there is just like listen to your body because I think for me I was really fortunate in my first trimester, other than fatigue, I didn't suffer from morning sickness or anything. So I was... And, I, and because I didn't have a bump yet, I was like, okay, I'm going to make the most of the fact that I feel fine doing, you know, my usual training. And I still push myself to, to do all of that. I had to drop hit and running because they were the two things that, yeah, I felt a bit lightheaded and I was like, mm, maybe not. But it probably wasn't until halfway through my pregnancy where I had to like start tapering it back. And that's when I started to see you. And it was so good because I realized that the kind of training I needed to do. And I think, to be honest, the kind of training I've always loved to do is just whatever I feel up to that day, I will do. Like I, I'm not really a scheduled person when it comes to exercise. I don't look at my week and think, okay, on Monday I'm going to do this, Tuesday I'm going to do this. I just go with the flow. I wake up that day and I'm like, do I feel like exercising this morning? Yes, no. Okay, yes. What do I feel like doing? And then I do it. And so I think in pregnancy particularly, I really kind of leaned into that. And when I started working with you and then when we started doing the program together and I lent more into that kind of Pilates that we were doing, it felt so right for my body at the time. Like it was making my back, my shoulders, like everything feel better. Um, and exercise, I mean, it's, I've, I've never really looked at it in a way of, um, not never, I definitely did back in the day, but lately I haven't been looking at it in a way of like, you know, really trying to get a sweat on or really trying to burn calories or anything like that. That's not why I exercise. And so I think through pregnancy, I again lent more into that. And what I loved about the prenatal program was it like, made me feel like I was still building strength and I was still doing something for myself and moving my body, but I was doing it in such a safe way. 
And I'm really glad that I, I did it. And like throughout my third trimester, that's literally all I was doing. I mean, you were looking after me and I couldn't even really do my walks anymore because of my hips, but it just felt so nice to still be able to do that. And, you know, occasionally I would do some yoga and stuff as well. Is there anything else, I suppose, outside of the kick prenatal program? What are the best kind of exercises that people might, if they feel up to doing something else, might be able to complement the program with? Yeah, because I know we get a lot of questions about this from the community. Mm. Um, and we, like, let's put it out there, we don't expect you during pregnancy to just do Pilates. Yeah, like, yeah. that is not yeah. the purpose of <laughs> kick bump Pilates. The whole point was we designed kick bump, the, the pregnancy mm. Pilates program, to empower you to know okay well what moves feel Mm. right in my body exactly as you said what feels right what feels comfortable what feels safe Um, and then taking that knowledge and applying that to your other activities so if you're someone that has previously been a kit girl or if you're absolutely new to it and you're like I don't even know where to start but in Pilates you're doing some glute work and you're doing some some squats or whatever it might be you're like okay well this feels good then you can take that into your regular workouts and be like well instead of jump squats today I'm going to do some squats or something from my Pilates that I learned um, and apply it to that. So I think just moving your body through pregnancy mm. in whatever way feels good, comfortable and safe for you. Um, strength training is fantastic. Mm. It has a really positive effect on your birth in general, like how you carry and, and how, how you feel in your body. It has a good impact on um like the birth, the delivery itself and labour and that sort of fourth trimester period as well. Um, It can have a really positive effect on gestational diabetes, which not a lot of people know, but Mm. it can help with insulin resistance. So there is some research to suggest that exercise through pregnancy is really helpful for that. So, yeah, strength training, walking, yoga, Pilates, um, whatever that makes you feel good. Yeah, amazing. And I just think, like, I mean, I know, you know, there is – it's not everyone's fortunate enough to feel like they can move their body the whole way through the pregnancy. I know a lot of people who, you know, were actually bedridden for a lot of their pregnancy. And, um, but I think if you do feel up to it and you have the clearance to like absolutely move your body. I know for me, when it came to building back up my strength and, you know, kind of getting into the postnatal side of things, I felt like whilst I had lost strength, like no doubt about it, I hadn't lost it completely. And I still, had that motivation because I was still kind of regularly moving my body and then I also still had like a little bit of strength from all the parties I was doing and everything so I was really grateful that I could kind of continue that and I do think it helped me a a bunch in (laughs) labor um and and yeah postpartum for sure um one thing I do want to talk about with you and it is something I came to you about because when I went online I got so shocked and concerned about all the different articles I was reading on abdominal separation. And that was like probably one of my biggest fears. And I know that sounds so ridiculous, but as someone who like fitness is a huge part of my life and what I do, and I know that, you know, if, if you can get like, if, if it happens to you and it's, and it's bad on the, on the scale, <laughs> um, it can kind of reduce what you can do and it can be a long process to, you know, build back your strength and all that sort of stuff. So for me, it was more a fear of a fear of yeah, not being able to exercise how I wanted to as soon as I could. Um, and the way you explained abdominal separation to me, just it just made me feel a little less stressed about it. So do you mind talking about what is it? And I suppose, is there anything that you can do to prevent it or maybe things to avoid to prevent it? Um, and if it does happen, I suppose, what are the steps? Yeah, so let's clear one thing up for everyone <laughs> listening because I know this is what helped you too. Yeah. Nothing separates. 
<laughs> let's just let's just be clear. I hate the word abdominal separation, and I use it too because that's what people, people know, know it as. as. Yeah, exactly. Um, but nothing is separating. So you've got your rectus abdominis muscle, which sits. That's like your six pack muscle group. You've got lots of other ab muscles as well. You've got your internal obliques, external obliques, and your transversus abdominis. So you've got all these different layers. Rectus abdominis is held together in the middle by the linear elbow, which is just a bit of connective tissue. It's like the same stuff that, say, like your ITB or your all your ligaments mm-hmm. in your body are made out of. It holds both sides of the six-pack muscle together, nice and close. What happens during pregnancy is you are growing a little human. (laughs) (laughs) Organs go everywhere. Organs go everywhere, exactly. And your rectus abdominis muscle has to widen to be able to make room for that bub. Rectus abdominis, like diastasis, so the DRAM, diastasis rectus abdominis muscle, which is the ab separation that we all hear about, happens in 100% of pregnancies happens to everyone and there is very little that you can do to change or avoid or prevent that because like I said it happens to everyone happens to different degrees so some women will have a smaller um, width others will have a larger one depending on a lot of things size of bub generally being one of them Um, but also your body and how you carry and lots of other factors but it's like I said, it happens in 100% of pregnancies. It's it's going to happen regardless. I think one of the big things to look out for is when you are exercising, um, that sort of like peaking or coning, we mm. call it. So if you are doing a certain exercise and you look down and there's like a little like triangle, triangle, <laughs> pyramid thing, <laughs> little pyramid yeah. thing poking through like around your belly button region, then you know think about drawing your transverse abdominis or drawing that cue of like belly to spine and mm. see if you can reduce that. Um, obviously avoiding like crunches and sit-ups during pregnancy will yeah. help as well, um, which we don't advise anyway. But then postpartum, I think where the other misconception comes from is that in most women it doesn't always go back together. We mm. actually consider sort of two centimetres quote unquote normal because men can have Mm. drams Um, women that have never given birth can have drams like you'll you'll find it a lot in people that are really heavy weightlifters or um, people that are really quite active and fit because they've been using their ab muscles a lot so they might even have that that dram quote unquote separation and so we consider two centimeters normal so if it doesn't come all the way back together that's okay that's part of pregnancy and birth and for the women that have a wider gap You've got, the research will suggest that we've got about an eight-week window to bring that as close together as we can because at that point, the around the eight-week point, the linear elbow, which is like the border of each of those sides of your rec muscle, that starts to harden and then it's kind of like stays wherever it got to. So then when women aren't coming to a physio till sort of six or eight or even later postpartum, like I've had women come to me like two years down the track, like, great, I'm ready to fix my ab separation. Mm. And it's like got some bad news for you. Mm. We probably can't change the width. But what is really important, probably even more so than the width, is the depth. So if you, you know, can sink your fingers all the way through to a few knuckles deep into your belly and we're not getting any sense of tension there, that we can change. So that comes from strengthening all of those other muscle groups or the other muscles in that abdominal muscle group to be able to give you more tension around your core. Long story short, That was a big ramble, but there's things that we can do to help both prenatal, postpartum, but it happens in 100% of pregnancies and it's nothing to be scared of. Mm. It's just a a normal part of the process. Yeah, and if you are concerned that you might have a large gap or depth to go see if it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's generally going to be core strengthening postpartum. Um, and like I said, giving you some really gentle stuff that you can do in that first six weeks to, to help, but definitely being guided by a physio there. Um, and I suppose then 
beyond that, if the DRAM is causing a lot of troubles, like if you're someone that's getting a heap of back pain and you've tried, I mean, core strengthening and Pilates and physio is always first-line conservative management, but there are surgical options that we have up our sleeves, but again, guided by your health professional. Any tips to ease aches and pains in that third trimester? Yeah, so I think... (laughs) I I remember them well. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, Really common is going to generally be lower back. We see a lot of, um, and that's just because you've got the weight of bump pulling you forward. And again, so much of that is core strength and and you kind of get into this bad habit of swaying, which often stays postpartum too. I think we had to have a Mm. chat about that, didn't we, Well, yeah, Yeah. because I've already got a bit of a sway back and then I feel like when I got my bump, it just it just kept going. And I yeah. was like, okay, wow, I'm going to look like a duck by the end of this. Um, but absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and again, core strengthening yeah. and working on pelvic position, pelvic tilt. Um, I think generally, the, I mean, that's why we designed the kick bump program, both the prenatal and the postnatal program. The Pilates is going to be really great for strengthening all the areas that generally get a bit sore. Sore muscles are often weak muscles. So if we can strengthen them and work on them, that's really great. And then obviously lots of stretching and um, there's there's some stretching videos like mm. on Kick Bump as well that I've yeah. created already that are on there, like the educational videos that I run you through a couple of stretches for say like your upper back and, and lower back and hips and whatnot. And definitely prioritise them, guys. They really do make a difference. <laughs> um, so we've got some questions now from the community. We told everyone you were coming on and we had some really great questions come through. So one member has asked... I, oh, and I, I I also got told this. I've heard that doing too much pelvic floor work before the baby is due can actually work against you in labour. Is this a myth? That's a big question. Um, <laughs> it's like a bit of a yes and no. <laughs> it's a bit of a yes and no, and it's a really case-by-case basis. I think for first pregnancy, a lot of young women particularly, when I say young, like any. 20 to mm. you know mid 30 year old woman that is generally probably as we spoke about like in fight or flight mode most of their lives mm-hmm. we probably hold a lot of tension in our pelvic floor already so we tend to sit on the hypertonic side so our pelvic floor is already a little bit tight mm-hmm. and then if we go in there and do like a heap of strengthening and squeeze 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 and we aren't taught to relax properly then mm-hmm. absolutely that could be a factor for then potentially perineal tears during birth so I always recommend um seeing a women's health physio Mm. or pelvic floor physio during your pregnancy. I think a lot of people say like, oh, wait till postpartum, but there's a lot that can be done during pregnancy. For a majority of women, I'll get them doing their pelvic floor strengthening through most of the pregnancy. And then around the 36-week mark, I'll get them to start backing off and teach them perineal massage, which you can be taught by a physio if you see one. Um, But that just helps to stretch and release some of the pelvic floor Mm. muscles that you've been working on. But like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to say like yes, it can work against you because then I don't want every woman being like, well, I'm just not going to do pelvic floor because no, then that puts yeah. us at more of a risk, right? Because then we've got risk of incontinence and absolutely and prolapse. So, yeah. pelvic floor strengthening is so important, but it is probably more individual than what a lot of people think it is. Mm. Um, so that's why getting some guidance can be really helpful. Yeah, I know for me, um, I mean, I had a pretty strong pelvic floor. I remember throughout my pregnancy, you were like, that's pretty pretty good. You seem pretty good. And then I remember you telling me to back off. Um, I think I might just automatically do pelvic floor exercises because, yeah, during my labour, and this is, again, me personally, uh, my uh, OB did say, like, you, you're very strong down there. And, like, there was a point where it was almost working against me. But, you know, when I think back to it, um, it did help. Like, once I went and saw Rach, 
who I saw for that kind of like internal physio and everything. I'm so glad I did that. I ended up having like a small degree of kind of a bladder um, prolapse. So I'm glad I went and saw her and got on top of it and got back into my um, exercises. But I feel like if I didn't do anything throughout pregnancy, that I would have been even worse off and um, I would have had to work even harder postpartum. So I was grateful for all of that knowledge. So thank you for sharing that. No, all good. It's, yeah, like I said, it's a big misconception and there's not a lot of, because it's such a taboo, right? We don't mm. talking about our vaginas. No. <laughs> so pelvic floor, I mean, pelvic floor, it's, we're talking about vaginas, but it's without saying the word, right? So it feels a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. But still, no one really talks about it and we're not taught about it until you get pregnant. Yeah. And then it's like, it's not that it's too late, but I... no I, idea. Yeah, that like, pro, like some degrees of prolapse, like everything's just coming all out. And like, I yeah. did not know about that until later in my yeah, pregnancy. And I was like, oh, so oh shit. not alone. No. Yeah, so not alone. 100%. And I, like, so I get women now that come in just for like, you know, they might be like 21 and coming to me for Pilates for their posture. I'm like, you're going to learn about your pelvic floor today. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm just so passionate about educating women and just like, we should know our bodies, right? Mm. So yeah, I think even whether you're pregnant, postpartum, or if you've never had a baby, that's just something that I'm, I'm really passionate about so another question I feel like you've already answered this but the specific time that you should maybe go see a woman's physio before birth or is it best to wait after yeah I think before if you can obviously like I am well aware that that's not in everyone's Mm. um, budget or you know the the saddest thing about I think healthcare here in Australia for women I mean there's not a lot of funding for a lot of women's health issues and pregnancy and postpartum in general we get a lot of funding for bubs but almost no funding for mum. Um, so def- definitely if it's if it's something that you can afford or prioritise or, or make room for, highly recommend. And with women's health physios, it's not like other physios where you go like twice a week for like the whole pregnancy. Generally, it's, as you've experienced when you saw Rach, you go like, you go once or twice a month apart and it's so the knowledge and the feedback and the information that you get from that is so invaluable because that can really make a huge difference to to how your body recovers. And not just now, but 20, 30 years down the track. I've got one of my closest friends, her mum's going through a prolapse at the moment and she's like in her 60s mm. and she's stage four and which is like mm. where you talked about the fact that it's like coming Things are out. Inside like out. It's, yeah. it's yeah. out, yeah. 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 Um, and she's looking at surgery, like that's the only option now mm. for her. And sadly the surgeries we have for prolapse aren't the best. Mm. Um, I think the stats, I don't know the quote, or the number off the top of my head, but it is really high for the number of women that need to have that surgery revised. So a second surgery mm. within 12 months. So it's not, not the best pelvic floor really is our best defense against things like prolapse so if you can see a women's health physio or a pelvic floor physio during your pregnancy and then that means you've got someone that you're already connected to and you've already met once for postpartum and someone that you trust and you know exactly where to go when the time's right postpartum I generally say around four to six weeks postpartum if you can get in um, because what not a lot of people know is they'll get cleared by their GP or their OB for exercise and that, that GP check, that six-week GP check, is a skin check, really. It's yeah. looking for healing, have the stitches or have, has the tissue healed yeah. externally. Nothing is done internally. And if there is, it's they're not checking your pelvic floor strength. Yeah. They're not checking for prolapse. Yeah. Um, so a lot of women will be told, like, yep, I've got my six-week GP clearance. And then they go back to, like, running. Yeah, <laughs> which is why we suggest yeah. the postnatal program because at least through that, you you know, you're building yeah. back up that pelvic floor. Yeah, that's it. But I think pelvic floor physio for every woman, I mean – if you can, yeah, it's worth it, yeah. And it seems so intimidating. I know, I mean, it's kind of like a pap smear, right? Like a lot of women I know put off pap smears because they're so, I don't know, they just feel weird and awkward about it. And I get it, but 
I think also since having a baby and having, you know, just a lot happening down there, um, you begin to be really comfortable with anything and anyone almost seeing that downstairs area. But even, you know, even after that, I still felt a little bit funny when I first went to see Rage just because it's like, okay, someone new is, is going to be checking out that area. But then I just like to remind myself she, she does this for a living. She's doing this every day. She's seeing many, many bodies every day and it obviously does not bother her. So like maybe it shouldn't bother you. Uh, and then honestly, once, once you do one appointment, you're just like, what was I even worried about? It's like getting a bikini wax. Yeah. It's like the, the lead up to it's always worse than the actual appointment. <laughs> and it's so natural, right? Especially postpartum, your body has changed in yeah. so many ways. So you might be really self-conscious about what things look like down there. Or oh, I literally apologised to her for like not <laughs> shaving. I was like, you know, I haven't really like looked down that area in a while. I apologise, like, because my bikini area. And she was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 100%. But I felt like I had to say something. No, and like you said, like, they have seen it all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they've seen, like, the worst of the worst. And they do this all day. And there is not a women's health physio or a pelvic floor physio I haven't met that isn't, like, the kindest human mm. that I've come across. And part of our training, like, when we did our training, we spent, like, a whole practical on how do we make the woman feel comfortable. And knowing, too, that the pelvic for examination when when you go in if you're not comfortable on your first go there is actually so much that they can do mm. outside of that that you know they might start with some education and maybe an external check um before starting the internal and we might save the internal for like the second or third session when you feel comfortable so it's it doesn't necessarily mean you go and go in and they're just like you know I think for anyone that's experienced a gynecologist appointment generally you walk in and they're just like Legs up, yeah. here we go, straight yeah. in. Yeah. But women's health physios, it's, it's like there's a curtain and a drape and like <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put my hand here and do you feel really comfortable with that and, and making sure that you feel comfortable getting to that point. So, yeah, yeah. you're in safe hands quite you literally. You certainly are. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we spoke about aches and pains before but there has been a question uh, specifically for postpartum, you know, when you're carrying around the baby, you're breastfeeding, you're leaning forward a lot. I know you've been helping me a lot with this, but is there any particular stretches or anything that exercises that we should be doing to, I suppose, help both our posture and, you know, that upper back kind of or neck pain? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we spoke before about that six week don't exercise in the first six weeks, apart from maybe some gentle walking. Um, but what gets missed in that is people then feel like they can't even stretch or anything mm. during the yeah. first six weeks. But when we're talking about don't exercise, we mean like don't go for a run, don't go back to the gym. But what you can do is some really gentle you know, thoracic mobility and that is going to make a world of difference in that first sort of six or eight weeks because your body is adapting to a whole lot of new load. Your <laughs> whole world now is looking down, whether that's looking at bubs latching or preparing food or changing or whatever it might be, like, you're, you're spending a lot of time looking down. So a couple of things we can do beyond some upper back strength uh, stretching is when bubs is latched, if you can avoid looking at them. I know they're so adorable, but like just look up for like 30 seconds, like do some little shoulder rolls or some neck stretches. Um, you can, yeah, like, you know, we've gone through them all before, but things like thread the needle and arm openings or book openings, really simple ones that you could even look up on YouTube if you weren't familiar. Um, but they're all on the kick bump. Um app mm. they're all in there on the program but upper back stretching and strengthening once you can return to exercise is going to make a big difference too so lots of scapular retractions so all of your rows and things like that are going to be really helpful yep I and they were they were very helpful <laughs> um okay so what about postpartum exercises you know we might be doing the 
kick bump, postnatal program, what are some signs when we are ready for, I suppose, a normal kick workout, like to get back into actual kick exercises or anything outside of the kick bump program? Is, is there some indications that people could look out for to take that next step? <laughs> yeah, I think, again, it, once you've had your clearance from yeah. your GP, then you can start kick bump. And we've designed the kick bump postnatal program as a like sequential thing. So you start at week one and build up. And a lot of women will be like, this is really slow and boring. And then they do it. They're like, oh my God, where's my core gone? Mm. So we've designed it that way intentionally because your body's been through a lot. It's kind of like, I like to think of it as that first six weeks is the recovery from the birth. Mm. And then the next nine months is the recovery from the nine months of pregnancy that you've just been through. So I think things to look out for, definitely we're looking out for if you're getting any, of course, any leakage or incontinence or if you're getting any heaviness sensation or a bulging or dragging around vagina, they're your flags to definitely go and get your pelvic floor looked at by a pelvic floor specialist, a physiotherapist. Um, But beyond that, I think if you're feeling comfortable and you're working your way through kick bump, We've designed it so that by the time you get to that session 10, then you're really ready to go back to your other exercises. But along the way, Mari gives some cues around like these are some things that you can start to incorporate. Like you might get started back with just the kickstart program and just body weight and building in some bridges and some squats and things like that um, just at a body weight level. I think in terms of running, I think that's a big one that a lot of people are really keen to get back to. And it's so great now we've got the kick run program. I generally, I don't find many women that I send back to running before the four more likely six month postpartum mark. Again, it's not like you get your six week clearance and then you're like, great, I can run again. But when pelvic floor is really strong, we're looking for maybe 10 lots of 10 seconds is like a gold standard. So if you can do that, I like to do sometimes a little like 30 second hop test. So if you can jump up and down the spot for 30 seconds and you don't have any leakage or any other symptoms, then that's like a pretty good sign that pelvic floor is going really well. And again, if you're managing the kick bump postnatal program, the Pilates, and you're not pulling up sore and your body's feeling really good, then you can probably start incorporating just some of your normal workouts and just like anything, like I said before, build back up and ease back in slowly. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I was super excited to get back into my strength training. Um, and because there was a question around in the community about like what particular kind of kick workouts could you recommend? But I really think it just, as you said, comes down to the individual. What did you enjoy before pregnancy? Um, and if it was the more intense things like hit exercises or running then yeah just make sure you ease back into it and check for those signs so thank you so much for that um ash i feel like we need to finish this podcast off with uh pelvic floor exercises <laughs> so would you mind running through us through one so everyone listening it doesn't matter if you're driving you can do these anywhere yes beautiful <laughs> so okay so the cue my favorite cue is imagining that you've got a marble on your underwear this is going to sound really weird but stick with me <laughs> So imagine your marble in your underwear. You're going to use the muscles just around the opening of your vagina to squeeze that marble up. Kind of like, I'm going to give you a really like nasty visual here, but you know those claw games at like arcades <laughs> that like move around to pick yes. up the teddy bear? We're imagining that. Like okay. that is our vagina yeah. right now. So we're picking up the marble, drawing it in, squeezing up, and we're holding for just one little second and then dropping it back down. If you can manage that really well and you're managing, you're like, yep, I can feel that squeeze and lift. Let's draw up and we're going to hold for five seconds. So we're going to go up and squeeze for five, four, three, two, one. Good. And then if you can manage that, we're going to go for eight seconds. Let's squeeze up and draw in and hold for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, 
One. Oh my god, mine's getting shaky. All right, let's go. We're gonna go for (laughs) let's go for ten seconds now. So we're gonna go making sure you're breathing too while we're doing this. Let's I guess I'm I'm holding my breath. Let's go squeezing up and holding for ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And then I like finishing off my pelvic floor exercises with just some quick squeezes because the long holds sort of help with endurance and the quick squeezes are good for like when you... Like normal training. Like, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> very variety. Um, if you cough or sneeze and it's got to squeeze quickly. So let's work on those really quickly. We're going to do 10 quick squeezes. Let's go on for 10. Nine, off, on, off, six, off, five, off, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Good. Amazing. It's a quick little one. Thank you. But that's like, all, if someone does that daily, that's that's pretty good, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I really like, I think if you can try and find one time in your day where you sit down and dedicate, like a workout program, mm. you're like, I'm going to sit down and do my five minutes of my pelvic floor, do my like 10 lots of however many seconds you can hold, followed by some quick squeezes. But then if throughout the day you're sitting at the traffic lights or, you know, while Bubs is breastfeeding or pouring your cup of coffee, whatever it might be, just, you know, Sit in and add add in some extra ones because that's going to be really functional too. Like, you know, if you're standing up or if you're cleaning the house and you're trying to squeeze your public floor while you're vacuuming, that's pretty like high level, very advanced. (laughs) Um, But that's what we need to be able to train. We don't want to just be doing them laying down all the Mm. time because life doesn't happen laying down. Mm. So we want to be able to train them functionally as well. Well, Ash, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like, you know, I mean, I've heard a lot of this from you before from working with you and I felt so much better off throughout my pregnancy and postpartum having you and having all your knowledge and everything like that so thank you so much for sharing it with our community no thank you and thanks to kick for creating kickbunk because this is just <laughs> a incredible resource um i like my favorite bit actually out of all of it is the meditations i think that's such a special little thing for for mums and for pregnancy i know that helped you with a lot of anxiety mm. during your journey um but thanks to kick for creating it because it's going to be Really, really helpful, I know, for a lot of women. Well, thank you guys for listening to another Kick Bump Kick Pod episode. As I said at the start, we have our Black Friday offer still until midnight tonight. So feel free to head to our website, www.keepercleaner.com to make the most of that offer of 60% off your first month on the month to month subscription. Now, if you want to see more of Ash, because she's amazing, she is in our app, but also she's on Instagram as I touched on and she has such great content she's a real inspiration to follow so i'll pop her information in our show notes thank you so much for listening we'll be back in your ears soon hope you guys enjoyed it and have a great day